In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our PaizoCon Online 2023 seminar coverage. Hello, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the final panel of PaizoCon 2023, Ask the Paizo GMs, I think part two. Uh, but we're, uh, we're in at the first ones. We're all new here. Uh, my name is Jason Keeley. I'm a senior developer over on the Pathfinder rules and lore team. And uh, we'll be sort of hopefully taking your questions in the Twitch chat and giving you some wise sage advice. Uh, and speaking of wise and sage, uh, I'm going to throw it over to Shay. Wise and Sage. Okay, hi. I'm Shay Snow. I'm the uh, I'm one of the Pathfinder Society developers. Uh, here to tell you all about GMing things because I've been doing it a while. And Simone. Hello, I'm Simone Salee. I am one of the senior editors at Paizo. Um, I have only GM'd a little bit, mostly um, you know one shots here and there throughout the years, and then I just started running Strength of Thousands um, a couple of months ago. So um, I have some experience from that side and a whole lot of experience reading and editing adventures. So we'll it's see what I have good. to offer. Oh, I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I guess just I didn't give my other bona fides. Um, I have been running and playing for uh, a couple decades now. Um, uh, I have started with, uh, not started, started, but at least I started Pathfinder with Council of Thieves, the very... Uh, first uh 3.5 uh sorry it's the very first pathfinder first edition adventure path run a couple of those uh yeah, obviously i ran some stuff before that and i um run pathfinder and a bunch of other stuff from from time to time um yeah so um uh let's uh go to the twitch chat and maybe get a question uh looks like uh Northdorf is asking us about how to submit artwork uh, contributors to be an illustrator for paizo um, I think Marissa is uh, going to answer this one in the chat, it looks like. That's fair. Okay. Oops, yeah, because that's not that. so much a GMing question. So it's we're not, not a GM question. We're not the art no, team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies. Um, oh, but there, there, there is a process, and we'll let you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The answer is forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> um, while uh, we're getting... Uh, oh, we've got a question here from uh, Divine Halin. Uh, seems like PF2E has a... A lot of small bonuses. What's the easiest way for players and GMs to track those when playing? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, Do you have any insights? I, well, I have been GMing in Foundry, um, one of the virtual tabletop options. And so that does a lot of it for you. Um, my friends are in a couple of different states and time zones. And so we were playing online anyway. Um, and I don't know. I assume the other VTTs uh, are similar, but um, you can add those bonuses and have Foundry do it all for you, which is very easy. Otherwise, uh, I just write really um, like chicken scratch notes all over my character sheet <laughs> in person, which has me usually forgetting what's going on. So that's why I like the VTT setup better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Shay, what do you think? When it comes to like, uh, when it comes to like monsters and things and their small little bonuses, um, I tend to what I do with that is I are automatically calculate those bonuses out beforehand, so and I just have them written down to the side. So it's like, oh, uh, such and such is a shield, so I got to remember like it's a plus two when the shield is raised, and then all things like that. Um, yeah. When it comes to player like bonuses and things like that, I'm a lot like Simone, where I'll write it down in like a side side thing. I'm when I'm usually a player, I usually have a journal with me, so I'm just writing down stuff all the time. So it's good. It's good. 
Um, I think it's important to sort of enlist the entire group's help uh, to get all of this stuff done. Obviously, as a GM, you're going to want to keep track of the monster stuff, but for the players' bonuses, um, hopefully they're keeping track of their own. Uh, and, you know, just come right out and say it. Like, hey, help, you know, try to remember if you've got a plus one from, from this or plus one from that. Um, a, uh, 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 I've seen people do this, uh, uh, like something for like a, a bard bonus, right? To write that down on like a tented sheet of paper and put that in front of them, sort of, if you're playing, um, uh, you know, on a table, uh, that'll help everyone kind of like see it and remember it and just sort of like, uh, I know people always like uh, who are playing those characters who are giving out those monsters. Like, don't forget, I got plus one for me, plus one for me. Um, so uh, again, it, it when the table all chips in, uh, uh, it really doesn't isn't really that tricky. And also, like Simone says, that uh, those VTTs help a lot. <laughs> I got to tell you, yeah, <laughs> power of technology. The power of technology is is grand, and it's uh, uh, bringing us all closer together. Um, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's go to the next question. Um, Joe Adultman. Hi, Joe. Uh, what are some things can players do to help GMs run a game that's more fun for everyone? That's a good question. Um, question. Off the top of my head, I feel like um, you know, second edition in particular encourages teamwork. So mm-hmm. players can do a lot of um, you know tactical planning together and um, kind of remembering what each other's strengths are and trying to build off of those, um, especially in combat, but not only in combat, um, to make things feel more cohesive and more exciting. That would be the first thing that I can think of. Um, I think the most helpful thing can be like just buy into the story. Don't don't be like, oh, okay, I see that this is like a mystery, like dungeon crawl thing. Um, I'm going to go buy an airship and like go hang out with my other buddies across the world. Like buy into the story. Like your GM has crafted something for you. Just like take part in it. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more that you buy into it, the more that your fellow players will buy into it. You know, it's just kind of, it cascades on itself. Yes. Good yeah. one. Great. I great feel point, like um, not keeping mega secrets is a big one too. Like, we all like to have, you know, character reveals and our like mysterious backstory that's going to be revealed later. That's all awesome. But I think if you're holding things too close to the chest, um, it's hard for the other characters, the other PCs to get to know yours and to start to interact with your personality. I've seen, I've seen people struggle with that balance before. And so I think that's one mm. thing to keep an eye on is like, you can have mysteries and you can have secrets, but um, you know, that can hinder team cohesion if you don't like, give a little bit of your, your personality or your interests away as a, as a character. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Simone, like it's a, it's a group you're playing as a group and, and, and teamwork is, is, is very important. Um, so, um, uh, you know, act like it. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, Chase note on, on buying it. I, I love when players are like, um, what's the plot hook? I, I bite on it full and, and, and with no questions asked, we're supposed to do this thing. I, I uh, do it. I've um uh sort of from a personal anecdote. I there was a point um sort of way or, or very much earlier on. Um, I'm a big proponent of sort of like uh, uh if you don't know some if you don't if you're not unsure of something, uh, ask the group. What do you think? Uh, uh talk to the group. If you're GM or a player, be like, this is about to happen, or I need like five minutes to digest this or think of the next thing or whatever. Uh, there was a a, a game I was playing, and my character was like, uh, I don't guys, I need I need a little bit of help figuring out why my character was going to come on this riverboat with you or whatever it was. Um, and everyone was like, what about this? What about this? I was like, they took it. And that took like three or four minutes tops uh, and helped me buy into something. And uh, I think helped everyone sort of like 
get cohesive and, and, and move on and get to the, get to the fun, the fun parts of the adventures. Yeah. I had a similar yeah. thing in strength of thousands where, uh, mm. um, somebody was going to be joining like a month or so after we started and we all kind mm. of like brainstormed like, okay, why is she a transfer student? Like what, what was her delay nice. in getting here? And like, how can we like kind of seamlessly get her into it? So yeah, everybody like kind of stepping out of the story and brainstorming together, like made it a smoother experience. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, uh, ooh, uh, Army Navy Jedi. I almost read that in like the weirdest possible way until I noticed it was three <laughs> fairly normal words. Um, as a GM, if there are player shenanigans and they miss a story encounter, do you move the encounter to the location or steer the group back on track? Either one of you want to have any thoughts on uh, move that? Move the encounter to the new location. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think I lean that way too. I think it depends. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, there's it, a reason it, why your players are like, eh, I don't want to go there, so. Mm, right. Yeah, if, if they're just sort of not going to this place uh, because they skip something or whatever, find out what the why that is an important encounter. If it's not important, forget. you can also just forget about it, right? If it's just some rats and whatever. But if it's an important story thing, find out why that, you know, distill what's important about it. Is it because NPC gives a impassioned confession about a murder or something like that sorry i just came from the mysteries panel so i'm going to be thinking about uh <laughs> murder mysteries and stuff like that but um yeah and then just move it to the place where they currently are. yeah that one's pretty easy yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah i do milestone right. leveling so like i don't care if you miss yeah. i'm just it doesn't matter in, in my games but yeah i think you're empowered to tell the story you want so if you need to move something around and it makes sense great do it do it do it do it do it yeah um Let's move on to wisdom check videos. Question, if a player gains a custom ability, how do you ensure it's balanced with everyone else's abilities? Or largely, what do you do to keep balance in the group? Disallow anything outside of core. Uh, <laughs> Piff2, I believe that, that's how that's pronounced. Piff2. <laughs> um, I don't worry I mean, too much about it. Sorry, Shay, go ahead. You go first. No, uh, well... Yeah, I mean, I don't really worry about much of that either. Um, I mean, I let players, like in my homebrew game that just recently finished, I was, we started out playing the Thaumaturge with the playtest before mm. Dark Archive dropped and everybody had the Thaumaturge stuff. So like, obviously things changed. And what I noticed about partway through the uh, storyline was that Thaumaturge is really powerful at a certain point like mm. just kind of like the way that like the, the no weakness thing happens and the esoteric lore happens and everything which is great you know i'm not super worried about it um but like at, at a certain point it's like well how do you keep this balance so that everybody feels like the same level of power i think if i think we shouldn't be afraid of occasionally some characters feel a little bit stronger than other characters in situations i think that sometimes it it should make sense that like well we were in geb for a long period of time and the thaumaturge was really killing it but our shadow sorcerer who does a lot of bleed damage she was really struggling like she, you know, couldn't really, you know, get a lot of her spells off and everything. But then we moved over and we had more fleshy opponents when we were in another country. And then suddenly, like, all of her spells were just, like, killing it. So I think mm. it, I, I think it should be more acceptable that, like, sometimes some, some players are a little bit more stronger than other players. Um, as for, like, things outside of, like, Pathfinder stuff, if I'm playing a Pathfinder game, I tend not to use a lot of third-party products. Um, 
but like there is I, i'm never gonna play a game where it's like oh you can only use like the core rule book or something like that yeah yeah there's, I agree. there's uh yeah there's just i mean there's a lot of sort of quote-unquote core pf2 stuff that's that you know not first party stuff right let's call it uh that you can kind of do just about nearly anything but you know there's some great third party stuff out there that you can look at i you know just sort of if you're the gm um someone's like i brought this off of pathfinder infinite and i want to use it uh give it a quick once over give it a sniff test yeah. you know you know uh it's most likely going to be fine and uh if it isn't you can just sort of say like um you, you know let's sort of use it and be like find out later that it doesn't quite work like i said you know we're all in this have fun have a chat just outside of the game and like hey this isn't working mind if we tweak this so it's like 1d less damage or you know something like that um and and generally you know if you're if you're coming to a players with a a uh with honesty and 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 that kind of thing everyone's gonna get along you know Uh, i i I and and if you're this 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 comes down to sort of like i guess a core gm thing or just gaming thing is like if you're not playing with people you're having fun with you shouldn't be playing with them honestly um and and i know people don't always have that opportunity or, or that chance to sort of get that those core groups that are like your best buds uh but um you know I, I i personally try to try to steer clear of those sort of situations when i can yeah i think i will say that um pathfinder infinite is a great place to check out and there are a lot of paizo writers and freelancers and staff yeah. who publish on infinite so there's a great chance that stuff you find there is going to be balanced and fit in your campaign um, but yeah, exactly what jason was saying like give it a try if it sounds cool and if you know in a couple of sessions you realize Hey, this isn't really as balanced as we thought it was then you can modify as you go like it's it's your game and you get to decide that together so yeah i say i i tend to not worry about balance um because the game is so tight already you don't really need to um but if a player came to me like hey here's this cool third party thing like sure let's see what happens yeah all right uh let's move on uh, i am i'm a paper ninja says, how do you decide the degree your opponents use optimal tactics? Zombie mind- zombies are mindless, so random attacks and intellectual intellect intellect humanoids are scheming. But what about in between? How do you how do you deal with your 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 tactics in a in a sort of fight, in a general combat? It's a great question. Yeah. Um I tend to go off personally. Um when you're an editor, and Simone will be able to say this, um it is pointed out, and a lot of Paizo people know this, but when I was an editor, this is where I learned this. Um, at a certain, it's like, things are considered sapient, uh, creatures are considered sapient if they have a negative four intelligence modifier or lower. Um, so it, what I've been doing is basically, if they have that negative four or lower for their intelligence modifier, I'm like, they're going to attack probably what's ever closest to them, um, whatever's been presented as the biggest threat, uh, if it has a higher intelligence modifier than that, uh, generally up until it gets into the plus section, I'm like, they're going to go after what they perceive as the biggest threat. Uh, once you get into like the positive intelligence modifiers for me, I'm like, okay, they're, they're a little bit more calculating. Um, you know, they're, they're going to think about, you know, how the best to analyze the battlefield and how to go, uh, you know, and how to like get at uh, who they think is going to be a problem in the future. So that's how I do it. Mm-hmm. it it's a lot of math. So <laughs> maybe not math. It's a lot. It's a lot of like taking of the thinking. numbers and being like, huh? Yeah, no, that's, that's, what I do. that's, that's great. That's great advice. Shay. So yeah, do you have I any have thoughts much, on, I don't have much to add. I'm pretty yeah. much in the same place as Shay. Yeah. Um, I'm, 
that's one of my weak areas as a GM it, because I'm like rooting for my players probably too much. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I also add in like, you Same. know, balancing, okay, if they're close to death, like the, the style in my game specifically, which I know is not universal, um, is like, yes, death is still an option, but like we're, especially in Strength of Thousands, like you're at mm -hmm. school, like you're probably not in mortal danger <laughs> all the time. Um, and so I also kind of try to balance it a little bit more than maybe I need to about like, who's who's under threat but yeah for the most part i i follow pretty much what shay said also yeah yeah uh yeah for those for those like smarter uh, uh enemies uh, uh you know there's there's a point where they don't want to die too i i kind of picture that it's like oh most some people fight to the death and it's but but that does you know i would try to vary that up right if it's just some 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 random mooks or whatever uh if they're close enough to you know having single digit hit points or really close to be they'll they'll run away or give up right like everyone doesn't have to fight to zero hit points i think that's uh, uh one little add-on that i can sort of uh, uh give there yeah. um so it, it gives a little more you know verisimilitude of like oh these are people you know and so you can not necessarily not very you don't have your players treating every enemy as a just a sack of hit points um think they're thinking about who these people are and what, what's going on um Anything else you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, it looks like the next one is asking about um, encouraging people to try out second edition from other systems. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is so personal. It's kind of tough to give a, a universal answer. Um, yeah. Some people are attached to what they're familiar with and you're not going to be able to talk them out of it. Um, but I know the beginner box is a really great option for introducing people to, to running Pathfinder and, and playing Pathfinder 2e. Um, and, um, you know, checking out some actual plays in the system and, and seeing how that goes, but really just beyond trying the beginner box, trying maybe one of your favorite organized play scenarios. I think if, if people aren't open to it, you're not gonna, you know, you can't force them to try a new system. So try to be a good ambassador. Um, and I don't know, unless the other two of you have anything to, to offer, that would be my approach. I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Give them a little. Oh, no, that's, that's a hundred percent my approach too. So yeah. Give them, give them unless a little taste. Can, right. Unless we can get Dimension 20 to do a Pathfinder second edition, <laughs> which we are trying. Oh, <laughs> Every night. I wish. I, yeah. <laughs> I so wish. Someday. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, Morgan, uh, if you're watching this, call me. <laughs> if you faint, he's watching. Yeah. Hey, I'm a fan. Hello. Okay, Iron are you out there? <laughs> <laughs> hit us up dimension 20 yes. people let and us yes, know we do have a lot of other not to not to give um dimension 20 all the spotlight we do have a lot of pathfinder 2e shows um an actual place mm -hmm. out there that you should check out there are some really great teams doing really great work even if they don't have uh the full you know critical role treatment um there are a lot of great okay. examples of how much fun pathfinder can be at the table so you should check those out yes that's good advice Great advice, Simone. Um, let's go on to uh, Black Tiger uh, 1969. When getting ready to run an adventure path, you recommend their reading of the player's guide to get started. I feel that it helps to set up a character that is more involved in the story. I assume that you mean have the players read the player's guide. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're all yes. nodding here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the player's mm -hmm. guide is going to give you mo the most information that they should have, and it's going to give you options and, and ideas. And I'm so sorry. I, I cut you right off, Jason. I'm sorry about that. Oh no! No, you didn't. No, no. I was just just nodding. Oh well. Um, but yeah, no. It's uh, it's 
super uh the player's guide is super useful and it's gonna have all sorts of neat things for you and i have found that it's pretty much whatever i have people who are like oh well what should i know about this upcoming game it's in the player's guide it's in the player's mm-hmm. guide well what's mm-hmm. uh, you know what classes should I, it's in the player's guide look at the player's guide look at it <laughs> play what you want but look at the player's guide yeah we we put a lot of work into those. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since I've done one, but developers and editors and, and the layout team put a lot of work into making these product, which we you know are are, are giving away for free. Um, so uh, you know we're doing it out of the love of our hearts and to help you get the best uh, adventure path out of the adventure path you can you can get. So yeah, so download them, uh, show them out. Uh, you know, there, there there comes to a point where like you know uh, maybe someone doesn't have time there's this to read through the whole thing but there's always something in there at least a, a chart or something qu- quick that they can look at and really ground them in, in into uh what kind of characters they might want to make anything you want to add to that simone no i'm fully no? on board fully on board okay. all right uh all right saru saruva uh asks how do you get over the quote-unquote perfect gm syndrome where you get stuck thinking every encounter adventure should be a masterpiece and then the session approaches and then you have prepared nothing yet. Mm. Let's talk about GM psychology. How do you feel <laughs> about uh, running games and how do you feel about yourself when you're done running games? It's stressful. Mm-hmm. I see Shay ready to go. Uh, go back to Shay. <laughs> I'm so sorry, y'all. I just have so much to say. <laughs> do it. Um, here's my thing. Um, perfect is the enemy of good. Um, if you're sitting here trying to build out like the perfect encounter and the perfect session and the perfect role play, the perfect NBC, the perfect enemy and the perfect, you're never going to get anything on the plate. Like, uh, perfect is the enemy of good. You, you need to get something out there. It's better to have half of a document than none of a document. Um, and like, honestly, this is advice that I give people who are coming into freelancing and doing writing and stuff like that. Just get words on the page. Just, just write something, just start somewhere. Don't. Mm Don't sit here and try and be like, oh, I got to be Matt Mercer. Oh, I got to be Brendan Lee Mulligan. Oh, I got to be Aubrey Iyengar. Like, again, like they all started somewhere. Like, first of all, they all started somewhere. Second of all, one thing that when when you're getting very stressed and you're like, I can't be Critical Role and I can't be Dimension 20 and I can't be uh, Worlds Beyond Number and everything's like that. Those are professional actors. Yep. Take a breath. Give yourself a moment to continue on and be a person. Also, it's a person mm-hmm. who just says, can I hug you? Yes, you can absolutely hug me if you see me in person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, d- just to add on to that, too. Yeah, they also have editors. I mean, like video editors and sound editors and whatnot. That's why it looks as, mm-hmm. as good and as polished as it is. Um, oh, oh, we we only we have word editors, which makes our stuff look as good and polished as it is. Um, but when you're sitting down to sort of prep something, yeah, I mean, I can't really add anything to what Shay said. It's all... Uh, great <laughs> yeah she nailed uh, it um i still feel the same way like as i said i'm running an ap for the first time you know i started in march so brand new to the long campaign jamming um and it's so stressful even though it's like a bunch of my you know closest friends i just i want them to have an amazing time every time and it does make uh preparing stressful and i do kind of end the session exhausted even though it's you know two mm-hmm. and a half hours on a, a work night um but exactly, you know, not to, to belabor the point, but um, not every session is going to be incredible. And probably it was better than you thought, you know, um, yeah. and you can ask for feedback from your players too. Like if you're in a group of friends, 
Um, one of my GMs does like a, a debrief um, because we're specifically doing a setting play test for second edition. And so we mm -hmm. all, you know, kind of come down from the session at the end by saying like, here was a highlight for me. Um, potentially here's something that like I wish I had done differently or we had, you know, handled in a different way or could do this way next time. So if you're really, if you're in a group where it's comfortable for you to exchange feedback like that, ask for it. Um, but otherwise just being in the GM seat and doing it more is how you're going to get more comfortable with it. More great advice that I am just going to let be and move on because I don't have anything else to add. Um, let's go on to second Don who is asking any ideas or tips for converting adventures and monsters to Pathfinder. This is a more of a mechanical question this time. Let's, uh, see if we have any thoughts on what we want to do about, um, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say here, um, you know, when we talk about sort of like people coming, becoming in and, and, and doing freelance and making your own stuff and, and then you're converting stuff for yourself. Start by looking at what already exists, uh, and kind of you can crib uh, abilities off of other creatures if they're the this sort of similar uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, adventures wise, too, you can just sort of uh, look at adventures that are sort of similar and how we do, you know, a research system or mystery or 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 a, a party ball or whatever. Um, and you know, feel free to just sort of borrow stuff that's already written if you need to to convert something. I mean, you're already converting something that exists, right? So feel free to borrow something that already exists that's already in second edition. Um, any of you have any other thoughts on that? I think that's a great, um, great answer. Yeah. And also, um, I think it's the maybe Game Mastery Guide and some of the best series like have information in the back on um, creating your own um, settings and monsters and stuff like that. So we do have material published and I'm sorry, I don't have like exact page numbers for you, um, oh, but check out, <laughs> the check out the books if you own them. Um, there are sections in there on creating content for Pathfinder yourself. Um, and that can be a great way to practice. Let me see here, uh, what page? And for Starfinder uh, in Interstellar Species, I believe it is. I don't know why I'm looking over my bookshelf. Like, all I can see is, like, the Advanced <laughs> Players Guide. It's just a habit. Uh, but I believe in Interstellar Species, there's, like, a whole, like, here's how you can take, like, a fantasy alien species and turn it into something for Starfinder. So yes. it helps with that. Yep. 100%. Uh, 100%. Yeah, and, our, and the first Alien Archive just has monster creation rules. that, that and, and those are all you really need to, to, to create a monster from scratch. And then... Uh, yeah. Um, add add out of those custom abilities to make it your own. Okay. Um, K K K N a fox K K K N a fox. Since everyone K fox. Since everyone has their own way, how do you prep for a game? We we had this joke uh, before we started, which was uh, we prep for the game by panicking five minutes before the game starts. <laughs> uh, but uh, for reals, um, uh, uh, you know, I read read what I've got. If I'm running a published adventure, read through that again. Re read through the, you know, specifically focusing on the stuff I'm pretty sure they're going to get to. You know, if you're in the middle of a dungeon, you know, kind of know what the next five rooms are going to look like. Uh, if you're in the middle of uh, uh, some other investigation, you kind of know what the end point is. Uh, so you can sort of focus on that adventure. Um, beforehand, you know, I've read all the whole things over, but when I'm prepping for like, um, my, uh, something that's, uh, not Pathfinder or, or, and, and, and is my own stuff, again, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes and then, uh, I'm probably winging it <laughs> at least half the time. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, it depends on the game that I'm playing. Like, I recognize mm -hmm. this is a Paizo panel, but like for my Pathfinder stuff, I'll typically... Like Jason said, I'll read ahead and I'll be like, okay, where are we going? Um, I play mostly, 
they play exclusively at this point in virtual tabletops. So, mm-hmm. um, like for my Mummy's Mask game, I've already got all my maps pre-laid out for the book that we're in, so I'm not really worried about that. I'll just mostly kind of look over it and be like, okay, I've already got the combat set up. You know, where are they doing? You know, what did they do last time and everything? Um, for other games, like my current Vampire the Masquerade game and my Monster Hearts games, honestly, those are mostly homebrew. They're not like written adventures. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also do this with my homebrew Pathfinder games. I could just go off the vibes of like what happened, mm-hmm. how did it end last time? I'm like, okay, great. What did it last time? Okay, well, they wound up with a woman on their couch uh, that they didn't know, <laughs> and then she threw up a bunch of leaves. Okay, great. <laughs> We're going to pick up from there. We'll figure it out. So that's what I do. <laughs> Jacob, can we figure this out right now? I'm already intrigued. Let's let's abandon the panel and you can run an adventure for Simone and I. Yes. <laughs> Can't tell you, but it has to do with a cult and werewolves okay. and it's so much. Fair enough, fair enough. My players enough. are in the chat right now. I can't say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was we're gonna we're gonna close this down. We're gonna we don't we don't need yeah. to stream this forever right now. Um, um Simone, what about you? Somebody, How do you yeah. Um well first of all, I've been a player in a couple different campaigns of Chase and would just like to say that yes, they are a fantastic GM. Um uh, I um I prep by, uh, I'm currently running a pre-written Paizo adventure. Um, I read that through, um, I highlight it uh, color-coded if I'm starting in advance um, so that I can have like the DCs that they need to hit in one color and then like, you know, some dialogue or, or key information in another. Um, usually I am not that put together though. So I am reading it like two hours beforehand, like, okay, shoot, where are we going? Um, I am, like we said before, using Foundry for that. So um, somebody, uh, some, um, other players and awesome people in the community put together the Strength of Thousands module. So a lot of the like nitty gritty work is done for me. The encounters are set up, the maps are in there, um, which is which is great. But otherwise, um, read ahead as far as you can so you kind of have an idea of like where it's going, or if you're homebrewing, you know, have a mental idea of of where your adventure is going. And then I put together an outline either in like Google Docs or Scrivener or something that has um, kind of like uh, the maybe like. I like to start with like a lore quote or something from the setting to kind of get us in the headspace. Um, so I'll try to pull a quote for that. I call it the like video game loading screen um, since half of my players are new to second edition. So if I don't have a lore thing or in addition to lore, I'll share like a, a reminder on like, hey, remember you have hero points or remember this is how I'm um, taking cover works just in case it might come up. Um, <laughs> and so we'll cover like a, a quick like rules reminder or, um, or lore setting. I like to ask like a character immersion question, which is something I shamelessly stole from a different jam of mine. Um, and uh, then I have my outline with like the key kind of story beats that I'm expecting us to hit. Um, again, I can I can get this level of prepared because it is a pre-written adventure. There's not a lot of different things they're going to do at this stage. As we get into more of the adventure, it'll be a little more sandboxy. But if uh, if you have the time and are so inclined, you can get real nerdy about it. Um, but there is definitely a level of, oh my god, I worked late and everybody's, you know, my DoorDash food is arriving and I have 10 minutes to prepare. I'm just going to skim this and, and wing it. Um, you just get more comfortable with that as you go. That that actually reminds me that, yeah, I've been, uh, what I've been doing, like, previous, uh, right before uh, every uh, one of my Outlaws of Alconstar questions is to write a previously on 
so that uh, I know what happened last session, and all the players kind of know what happened last session. You know, we play every two weeks, so it definitely helps to sort of get everyone in the same headspace. And then I write it in character, of course, because I am a huge weird weirdo. Um, <laughs> it goes like it goes. It goes previously on Outlaws of Alkenstar. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, Wait, I, and then I do three gunshots. I want to be in your game. <laughs> oh, okay. And then we do three gunshot sound effects because I also run on Foundry. Um, pew, pew. Uh, pew, pew, pew. Uh, and everyone is like okay. forgets that Foundry has sound. And it's like ah, this Foundry was too loud when I read them. It's a great add story. To the, the Discord, um, the new soundboard that they've added with like the quacks and mm -hmm. the the crickets and stuff. We got to add a pew pew sound to that. Yeah, yeah. Pew, pew. yeah. Uh, what I need to do in my mummy's mask game is uh, add the uh, bah, 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 like yes. uh, air horn noises because that is the noise <laughs> yes. that Simone and all of my players make whenever they get critical hits. And it's like, okay, okay. thanks, go. <laughs> yes. Totally original idea. No one has ever done that before. It was all me. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I love it. Uh, sort of uh, speaking of preparing from Yoda Ate My Head, our very own Mark Moreland, uh, probably mostly for Shay, though, what specific advice would you have to give people running organized play content is it any different from what we just said slightly uh, mm -hmm. read your scenario thoroughly read your scenario more than once probably two or three times at the very least um understand um you'll read the back area where it says organized play and it's like here's your challenge points and your treasure table and things like that but also take a deep breath realize that every nobody expects like a theatrical you know release at their organized play table but yeah read it thoroughly understand what's going on make sure that you know where the plot lines are going some of our especially like higher level scenarios can be a little bit more confusing and they can have like alternate plot lines and things like that like for example in uh 4-11 prisoners of the electric castle we have like i'm not going to give like a spoiler but like we have two different ways that it could end and if you didn't re if you didn't pre-read that scenario you're gonna hit that point and you're gonna be like oh no what's going on here so make sure you pre-read make sure you take notes make sure you're like okay i understand how the plot is moving forward and if you don't understand if you're confused or anything on our forums there's lots of gm threads uh you can ask in any of our you know online lodges and everything across discord uh pretty much any we have areas everywhere where you can ask questions and everything so you can understand like okay here's how this works and here's how this moves forward great great yeah. you, want any, you want to add anything to that nope sounds great to me fair enough uh, speaking of a uh, uh, higher level, Sarcastic Prose has a question about, with so many people, myself included, uh, not me, the question master, of course, new to GMing Pathfinder, how much time did it take you to feel comfortable tackling the higher level APs that begin 11? Hmm. Higher level mm -hmm. stuff. Have any of you run any higher level stuff yet? At nope. least in second edition. Not official content. Um, my homebrew mm -hmm. game started at level 5 and then went up to level 15. I my brain is slightly out of my head. I believe they stopped at level fifteen, um, but like it was mostly pretty straightforward. A lot of the big numbers and everything. Yeah, okay. Uh, David the Gray in chat, who was in my game, confirmed. Yeah, we stopped at level fifteen. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, mostly at that point, like the numbers are on your players to keep track of and everything. Also, again, mm -hmm. I play on VTT exclusively, so Foundry keeps track of everything. Um, 
really, running high level is no different than running lower level. In fact, I find running lower level stuff a little bit harder than running high level because it's Ooh. so easy to kill four level ones. <laughs> 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 it's so easy. Um, but yeah, that's the way I feel. Okay. Um, yeah, I've run some high level uh, first edition Pathfinder stuff, um, and I definitely have played at least one or two sort of like eleven to or higher level sort of like one shots essentially. Um, and I, I, you know, I yeah, I found that it doesn't run much differently, right? You know, uh, players are uh, for the most part. It's going to be more a little more onus on the players who have more stuff that they can yep. choose to do, right? They're going to have some some yeah. feats that let them trick out here and there and what have you. But uh, in terms of uh, what the APs, if, especially running a pre-written adventure, you know, a lot of that stuff is going to be taken into account for you, what maybe what players are uh, might be capable of and how the adventure might handle that and and that kind of thing. So, um, but, you know, if you're not comfortable, uh, you know, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting at 11th level, but it's not necessarily going to blow your mind um but you know take as much time as you want to get comfortable run run a bunch of first level to fifth level short campaigns until you feel like you've got sort of the 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 gears of pathfinder second edition uh under your feet and then um go wild have fun yeah do whatever do whatever you love yeah and he said someone you haven't actually got run that far yet but what, what do, you, do you have anything you're looking forward to uh at, at high levels because yeah, yeah, you're running I mean, uh of thousands yeah nothing like mechanic specific i mean there's uh, some content that I have, you know, forbidden knowledge of that I can't speak to <laughs> that's mm -hmm. coming out um, that I'm very excited to release so that uh, my players and myself can take advantage of that. I think it'll it'll work well in our story. But um, other than that, just narratively, you know, I have I edited a lot of Strength of Thousands, um, and so I know what's coming up, and I'm very excited story-wise for us to get there. Um, but I am kind of learning at the same time as my players. This is the first second edition um, AP that I've run, and several of them are new to either second edition or Pathfinder altogether. So I'm excited, like as a group, for us to to get into it um, and to get out of mm -hmm. level one and start having a few more things to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of personal to, to each GM how much experience you have and how quickly you pick things up and you know feel comfortable with it. But I'd definitely say like start with at least a couple lower level, you know, org play scenarios or, or what have you. Um, and then it's not going to be a whole lot different once you get into to higher level stories. And we do have some good ones. I just finished editing Stolen Fate. So we have some fun high level mm -hmm. stuff coming out there too, if you're looking for pre-written APs. Terrific. Awesome. Um, all right. Back to the questions. Army Navy Jedi, uh, who is our friendly Paizo social media manager. I had no idea. Hello. Um, any good fiction reading to inspire GMs for homebrew or descriptive scenarios? John, this is such a dangerous question to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Settle in, everybody. How long have you got? Um, no, for real, you should come find me in the Discord. Um, actually, in my AMA, I've already posted my now famous spreadsheet of Simone's favorite books to read uh, in sci-fi and fantasy. Um, so, I, yeah, I would say let's talk about that um, offline or off the panel because I will just talk for an hour. Um, but there is so, so much good fantasy out there. Um, that I think you can take a lot of inspiration from. I will say I have built Harrowhark from um, Gideon the Ninth, the Lockchain series, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and it's rad, so that's a good one. But I will cut myself off there before I talk for an hour about books. I can't listen to Simone talk about 
Harrow the Ninth because I've got the book sitting on my nightstand and I've got to pick it up and start reading it and everything. So. No spoilers, but like seriously take a day <laughs> off and just power through it. <laughs> <laughs> my roommate is um, reading it right now and I'm like evil glee over here. <laughs> as for like how I describe things, uh, <laughs> I'm very... Um, I take a lot of inspiration for describing scenes of fantasy stuff from uh, Daniel Handler, aka Lemony Snicket, and from uh, Douglas Adams. Um, I like to be very sarcastic and snarky and everything like that. Uh, I recently read a Doug- or I recently reread a Douglas Adams entry that's like he was like if you took David Bowie and put another David Bowie on top of another David Bowie and on top of another David Bowie. That is to say, he was tall and he gangled. Um, so that's I, I kind of like being snarky and sassy like that. Um, but as for like specific things that I read for homebrew and description, um, I really I really like the Stephen King like high fantasy stuff and the way that he talks about things there. Um, I get a lot of inspiration from like the Dark Tower series and Eyes of the Dragon and stuff like that. So yeah, that's what I do. Did you read uh, Fairy Tale, Jay? No. <laughs> Uh, a, fair, a fairly recent Stephen King, uh, not I don't think it's set in the same dark fantasy uh, uh, world as like the gunslinger stuff, but it's definitely a, mm-hmm. a fantasy Stephen King sort of situation. Well, check it out. I just uh, recently finished my reading too. Nosferatu, so. Oh, Joe Hill. <laughs> it's no, so good. Shay, you and I are practically the same person. You talk about Douglas Adams, <laughs> talk about Joe Hill. We gotta, we gotta hang out more often. That's what I, that's all. <laughs> I'm thinking here. Um, I uh, I just finished uh, fairly recently finished reading uh, the City of Brass uh, by uh, S. R. Chakraborty, uh, and that was that was lovely uh, and a great way to uh, um, look at sort of a new way to look at gin and 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 that kind of stuff. Um, so um, you know, I, I just read a lot. <laughs> basically, try to read as much as you can. Try to read as many diverse authors as you can get your hands on. Uh, uh, read science fiction, read fantasy, read romance, uh, read whatever you. I mean, but you know, read what you like. But also, just I'm sure there's something you'll you'll be able to find in any genre that you, you you'll you'll enjoy. Um, so uh, nothing nothing specific, but but everything. <laughs> um, um, but in addition yeah. to that, Simone. Um, as a nonfiction thing, you have uh, resources for like writing diverse characters, don't you? Like uh, things like that. Yes, uh, you mm. should. I don't remember the names of them. I'm so sorry, but like no, those would be really great, uh, so that uh, yeah. we can avoid pitfalls of describing people who are not, you know, uh, mm. cis white heterosexual mm. people. So yeah. also read um, uh, things written by diverse authors and whatever the name is of the thing that Simone is going to suggest because the name has flown right out of my head. There's a bunch um, and I will see if I can grab that without checking out from the panel um, and put it in the chat. Otherwise, I'll put it in my Discord AMA afterwards. Um, yes. I have a very lengthy resource on that as well because as an editor, that's something that's really important to myself and our whole team. Um, but the main... Um, main organization that I recommend is called Writing the Other. Um, they do fantastic, um, you know, classes and seminars and um, like weeks long programs for writers. Um, and they do offer a lot of scholarships if um, finances are an issue for you. There's also the Conscious Language Style Guide, which is a great starting place if you're trying to learn more about lenses other than your own in your writing. Um, but yeah, making sure that the the authors that you're reading um, are not homogenous and come from a lot of backgrounds is going to make you a stronger writer um, and make your writing more accessible to a wider audience as well. So yeah, thank you, Shay. That's a great, mm-hmm. um, great thing to bring up. Yeah. yeah. 
Great, great, great. Um, uh, not a question, but I do want to just sort of take a step back on, on something that we said earlier uh, to remind everyone. Also, Dragons and Things Network, who is uh, uh, also has, uh, we're talking about the uh, podcasts and, and AP shows uh, uh, for, for 2E. So uh, also check them out. Um, let's go to this discussion. Hmm? Is that just a laugh? Sorry. Yeah, I was just laughing. Anyway, sorry. Uh, fair enough. I thought you were going to say something. Uh, let's move on to Captain Relic's question about um, if a player wants to do things uh, that are uh, slightly changed or slightly maybe from a, a uh, another uh, system or whatever, uh, uh, how do you handle that? Uh, for instance, to sort of like basically uh, something like uh, 2E's prestidigitation doesn't let you make your eyes sparkle um or fun harmless illusionary effects so like uh, you know do you when you when a player wants to describe the effects of their magic missile um this is actually a real loaded question do you let them <laughs> it seems like that that's a leading question i feel like uh the the the, the judge is going to uh uh ding me on that um hmm. let me put it this way um when it comes to my home games um Yes, I will let them, you know, describe how their prestidigitation works and how their magic missile works and everything like that. If it is a spell that has like a specific like like prestidigitation has specific like you can cook or you can tidy or you can mm -hmm. do things like this. Um, if I'm in an organized play game, I am going to go by the book of what that spell says. Um, and it's because organized play runs in a very specific way. We run very rules as written and everything like that. Um, but yeah. If I'm in a home game, it's not as big of a deal to me. I'm going to let you kind of do whatever you want. But my organized play things are are very like strict, and I'm very much like, no, we're going by what the spell says. And if there are questions about it, we can handle it after this session. But like for for things in my home game, I'm much more flexible. Yes, that's a great point because you know organized play has those sort of. Uh, 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 I don't, want, I don't want to say strictures because that sounds too strict. But um, uh, uh, home, home, homebrew uh, for me too. Like, yeah, there's like little little things that aren't going to necessarily affect uh, mechanics. You know, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty lenient on that effect. Uh, I'm think, I'm, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with both of you. Um, I'm seeing in the chat um, that it looks like they're clarifying um, just for the sake of okay. fun, like not sure, about yeah. you know just whatever. I'm a big fan of sensory details. And so, you know, like both of you were saying, if it's not an organized play game where, you know, we're reporting this for credit and we're at home, like you and your friends get to play this how you want to, you know, that goes for every system. So if there's something that makes it more fun for you, like I, I'm not coming up with a reason why you shouldn't do that. Um, one of the games that I played in um, was in Starfinder, our fly for your die adventure path. And I wanted to play um, specifically a Vasca Android. And um, mm -hmm. one of the one of the things is like you lost your natural claws or you lost dark vision because you had natural claws. And I was like, but why would they build an Android without dark vision? And my GM who <laughs> was uh, Leo Glass, former managing editor of Paizo was like, yeah, that's totally fine with me. And like, when am I ever gonna use, you know, I'm not gonna abuse any of those. Like we know each other as players and, and colleagues and so yeah, i think definitely. if you're in a group where everybody's on the same page everybody has the same goals to have fun and they're not trying to break the game um yeah make it make it sparkly if you want to <laughs> i think that's fine um just it it's all dependent on the people you're playing with and the environment that you're playing in so have yeah. fun with it yeah make it sparkly 
That's uh, our new motto. Um, uh, (laughs) Skittermanders have heard they will be arriving shortly. (laughs) Oh boy. Oh, it's uh, uh, please do not send us glitter bombs. Um, (laughs) To, to, to sort of maybe like turn, turn that, turn this on its head a little bit for, for, for Captain Relic. Um, uh, One thing to do if you got sort of new players to, uh, to, to ask the question, Hey, what is your, what, what, what smell happens when you cast that spell? That that's completely sort of sensory. What what uh, what do your magic missiles look like? You know, just to kind of get people involved and help them sort of uh, uh, specify their character a little bit. All right, we're running uh, close on time, so let's uh, do maybe one, maybe two more of these questions. We're almost at the end here, uh, and uh, let me find the next one. Um, I'm looking at the name of this, and it's Enetexic Scientist, something scientist with an X. Um, uh, and this is sort of related to what we just said a little bit. In a general sense, how do you handle supernatural powers with narrative effects, but no mechanical imp- implementation, like basic telekinesis for the telekinetic psychic, or do you stick to the rules, or do you add anything like that? This is sort of similar to what we just said. So, uh, anything you, anything yeah. else you want to add to that specific? All right. Um, yeah, I think I think we answered that one. Let's just let's hit the next one. Um, uh, um, I'm going to modify this next question, from Divine Highland, a little bit. Um, uh, I've heard a lot of you talking about other systems. I've run other systems besides Pathfinder Second Edition. Um, do you have any sort of like best practices for keeping those systems kind of like separate in your brain space? Hmm. So you're not accidentally thinking of a rule that's from Monster Hearts, for instance. I know it's it, <laughs> unlikely that a rule from Monster Hearts would be applicable for a rule for, for Pathfinder Second Edition, <laughs> but maybe you're playing some things that are a little more similar to that. Uh, do you have like, do you give yourself uh, uh, note cards? Do you keep the your GM screen handy, even though you're playing virtually. I know I keep my GM screen, my physical GM screen handy when I'm running, even when I'm running on, on Foundry. I mean, if I'm running Pathfinder, I've got Nethos open. Uh, that's my thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I'm running, if I'm running World of Darkness, I've got my books open. If I'm running Monster Hearts, I've got the cheat sheet open so that I can, you yeah. know, look at everything. Um, if you've played Monster Hearts, you know exactly what I'm talking about with the cheat sheet. Um, yeah, I, I I keep my resources up, and that's how I make sure I, that I keep things distinct. Great. Terrific. Yeah, I would do the same for me. Yeah, same here. Um, I don't get to GM as much as I would like to. Um, I'm in a couple games, which is great. And, you know, we only have so much time. So I don't do a lot of switching right now. Um, But I agree. I have Nethys up. um, And my players are also helpful, you know, the ones who are familiar with the rules. And I kind of treat it collaboratively. So players will help me out in whatever system we're running. If there's something that one of us forgot, Um, it's a team effort. So... Yeah, jam screen. Um, if there's a couple things I know are going to be coming up in the system, like one I had a lot where like searching um, or you know hiding and, and taking cover was going to be big, I like put those in the, the outline document that I prepared ahead of time, so I had them to refer to. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Hopefully that's helpful. No, that that's good. That's great. Um, I think uh, some of these other questions we're not going to have time to get to. So if you want to pop into, uh, uh, I'm going to volunteer at least my AMA. If you want to pop in and ask me one of those questions. Uh, or e- both yeah. of you are doing AMAs too. If you want to, uh, if you're nodding, that's great. Uh, pop into Shay's or, or Simone's AMAs and, and, and see if uh, uh, either of them has any sort of uh, great advice. But I do want to end on a final, hopefully uh, fun question uh, for, for all of us here. Um, and I am going to make this up as I am talking because I didn't think of this beforehand. <laughs> and so I, uh, if, um, if there is, okay, a, 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 What's your what's your favorite kind of like genre of thing? Even if it's getting as specific as uh, in in fantasy, this kind of thing. Do you like uh, uh, heists? Do you like mysteries? What's your what's your what's your most favorite thing to run as a GM? Ooh, uh, I like mysteries. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I also <laughs> how do I word this? I also like death matches, if that makes Ooh. sense. Okay, like all of the players are like, uh, uh, oh, there's a big like death contest and we all have to fight and mm. eventually we will have to fight our friends and how do we how do we not mm. fight our friends and continue on I, I, I like doing stuff like that I, I just I think the melodrama is really cool so yeah. <laughs> battle royale that's the word for it <laughs> battle royale love it love it nice um great question I don't know for me if I have one specific like home like story home that I found yet um, I need to GM a bit longer but um I really enjoy um, just like more wilderness than urban settings, I think. Um, so I love like, uh, you know, like nature based kind of adventures. Um, Howl of the Wild that we had a panel on recently, um, it's coming out next year is kind of written in like a, a field guide, like naturalists field guide almost. Um, and I got to write an edit for that and had so much fun and can't wait to put that into some of my jamming. So I think it's things like that where you're like interacting with the the larger world around you a little bit, you know, elements of mystery, uh, like colossal, um, you know, powerful things that are way out of your class and how do you kind of engage with those? Um, that's that's at least where I'm at right now. Um, and then in Starfinder, everything like all the the xenobiology mm-hmm. and the, the space exploration. Um, I'm a sucker right. for that. Uh, and it's probably not surprised that I like goofy weirdness. All right, so uh, <laughs> not going to yes. on that. Um, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, wrap it up. Uh, I'm, I've been Jason Keeley, uh, Starfinder, uh, Starfinder Senior. I've, I've, I've forgotten what I've done. Senior <laughs> developer for the Pathfinder Rules and Lore team. Uh, you can find me uh, on all the things here at the bottom of the screen. And uh, again, come hit me up at our AMA. Jay, is there any place anyone uh, else can uh, can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, sometimes you can find me on Twitch. I'm always at Spells and Sugar. Uh, yeah, I'm Shay. I'm the path. I'm one of the Pathfinder Society developers. You can also come to my AMA and ask me all sorts of GMing questions. Terrific, Simone. Yep, uh, my period of visibility will now end. I will go back to being a um, an invisible editor whose work you will never notice. But I, believe me, you are very glad that my incredible team and colleagues are doing the work that we are. Um, and uh, yes, you will be able to still find me on Discord, Twitter, Versa Major. Um, and thank you all for asking these great questions. It was really fun to hang out with everyone. Yes, it was great talking to with the two of you. And uh, well, let's continue to talk more uh, when this is all done. We're gonna go start. A, we're gonna go play an adventure now. Play a game, uh, the three of us. <laughs> and uh, I hope the rest of you have a great PaisoCon, uh, whatever you're playing in that. But that's the end of our streaming panels. And I will talk to you all later. Well, thanks, y'all. Thank you for joining us for this installment of the PaizoCon Online 2023 seminar coverage, brought to you by Paizo and the No Direction Network. For more great gaming podcasts, visit nodirectionpodcast.com.